In 2017, Orla Tinsley received a double lung transplant after her body went into organ failure. Orla is an adult living with cystic fibrosis. She was so ill that her family had said their goodbyes, presuming this was the end. I am alive because somebody decided to be an organ donor and in their tragic death, they gave me life and gave my family six extra years with me, which is just, I think, a miracle of humanity and science. Tinsley is now back on the transplant list, this time in need of a kidney. Her phone is on 24-7, hoping the call will come through, that a new kidney has become available. I go to dialysis three times a week, which is tough. Um, And I've had a lot of side effects of dialysis. They're very unusual, and my team have never seen them. And so that has caused a lot of problems for me in that um, I'm in pain pretty much 90% of the time. She supports the proposed human tissue bill, which would introduce an opt-out system, whereby everyone is presumed to be an organ donor unless they have specifically stated otherwise. The bill's aim is to increase the number of people who donate organs and to save more lives. But will it be enough? Does Ireland have the resources for these transplant services? And what problems might arise under a system where everyone is presumed an organ donor? I personally just believe in the miracle of organ donation. I don't even know how else to say it. Like, it, you can save up to eight people by being mm. an organ donor. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, is Ireland ready to become a nation of organ donors? Uh, my name is Katarina. And Katerina, are you an organ donor? No. And if you don't mind me asking, why not? Um, I, I just never thought about it. I actually wouldn't even know how to get registered as one, but I wouldn't mind doing it, yeah. Well, I don't really believe in the afterlife, and okay. so I tend to think that once you're, once you're dead, you're dead, and therefore if you can use parts of your body to help somebody else, then that is a good thing. Um, no, I'm not, because I've never actually really thought about it. Like, I've never thought about, like, oh, what happens to me after that, so it's never anything that's actually come across my mind. I am an organ, yeah, I do carry a card. And uh, what made you want to become an organ donor? Uh, just since my teens, seeing television programs, I thought it was a good idea. I said, if I went and anybody else can use, I might as well have it. The human tissue bill, that's the new legislation around organ transplant, is very personal to you because not only did you have an organ transplant, a double lung transplant, you are now six years later awaiting another transplant, this time a kidney. Can you tell me how the double lung transplant, which took place in New York, changed your life? Yes. Firstly, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I had my double lung transplant December 2017 because of having end-stage cystic fibrosis and it absolutely changed my life. Uh, before my double lung transplant, I was I was actually on the most extreme form of life support called an ECMO machine and my family had said goodbye to me. So I am alive because somebody decided to be an organ donor and in their tragic death, they gave me life and gave my family 
six extra years with me, which is just, I think, a miracle of humanity and science. And you say the thoughts, thoughts on your donor never far from your mind. My donor is with me every day. I think anyone who has experienced the miracle of transplant will say that their donor is a part of them forever. It's, it's the ultimate legacy that you can leave and it is, it is just such a profound act of generosity. Um, so my donor is with me all the time and I really feel every time I encounter something difficult, even within the health system, say, if there's delayed care, I think, no, no, it's not just for me. It's for my donor as well. I have to make sure everything happens at the right time and get things right. And in that sort of uh, sense, I also think about all of the other people who are in my experience who who have also experienced organ donation who who or who have been living donors and that's why I'm so concerned about the human tissue bill I think it's so important that it's passed this summer and and that it comes into play so all under the proposed bill consent for organ donation will be taken as a given unless a person specifically opts out so I suppose in effect it means that everyone in the country will be an organ donor unless they specifically opt out. And how is that different then from the current situation? Our current situation is an opt-in system, right? So people have to sign up to be organ donors. And statistics show that uh, in opt-out systems, there are more donors available. Um, and this has got to do with the fact that people have to opt out instead of opting in. But the other factor, which is really, really important to this, is the fact that there are clear educational parameters around what it means to donate your organs and how that system works. And there are resources made available to transplant teams in the different hospitals and procurement teams so that all of the parts of the sort of transplant machine can work perfectly to have the best possible outcome. And I suppose an aspect of the bill that is proving a little controversial is that the next of kin will continue to be consulted before any action is taken. So you have reservations about the soft opt-out because, you know, ultimately the family will have the final say. Like if I, if I absolutely opt in, I, 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 you know, I haven't done anything. I'm very happy for my organs being donated. But, you know, what's to stop my next of kin coming along and saying, actually, you know what? No. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult because you can understand how in this circumstance where organ donation is a possibility, it is an undoubtedly horrific time for the family who are experiencing their loved one dying, you know? So it is really important to handle those conversations around the possibility of donation and, and even approaching families with tenderness and care and support, the right type of support, which we need more of here. It's really tough, you know, but I do think if you yourself have made a decision to be an organ donor, then those wishes should be respected. You have talked to us here about the need for education and maybe education would calm nerves and make people less afraid of organ donation or maybe just assuage their concerns. But what shape would that education take? How would that look? I think really it's something that needs to happen um, from the ground up, like starting in schools, you know, um, and something that I know is happening is this 
brilliant uh, organ donation module in a school in Belfast uh, where they are teaching children about organ donation and I know they have um, screened my documentary Warrior about my double lung transplant in the class and I've gotten notes from the children who are just so impressive and and really understand the importance of of organ donation Um, and that documentary was just something that I know was shown in like religion classes for example and that's just my small contribution to the conversation right but there are so many other ways like having like a film like that shown in schools is one thing but also really like I think personally um building organ donation into like the CSPE module uh, would be really really important because one of the reservations I believe people have is that they don't really want to talk about death you know don't want to think about a death unless it's happening that's why people don't make wills. It's That's the same thing. <laughs> mm. Right. They don't make wills and and they don't, you know, and I can understand that. Um, but the reality is, you know, at that point, it is too late to have this conversation. You know, it it, it matters that you, you think about it for yourself and have the conversation around it and let your loved ones know what your thoughts and what your desires are, what you want. Because it, it is a legacy that offers life to another human being it offers life to up to eight other human beings i mean it's remarkable and and so important i'll continue my conversation with orla tinsley after this short break now you are now on a waiting list for a kidney transplant yeah what does that weight involve what, what, what does what does that look like well you're waiting <laughs> yeah um I mean I have some luck in that I've been through it before right so yeah I yeah. kind of um it's not your first rodeo it's not my first time at the rodeo no and 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 I'm so my phone is on 24 7 um I go to dialysis three times a week which is tough um and I've had a lot of side effects of dialysis which I've written about in the Irish Times that other people don't have they're very unusual and my team have never seen them. And so that has caused a lot of problems for me in that um, I'm in pain pretty much 90% of the time while having the dialysis three times a week. So I've had to really work on how to deal with that, right? So I do meditate, like I've been meditating for many years. But I mean, I also use pain medication, you know? <laughs> so yeah, sure. let's be real, like science and 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 the things we can do to quiet our mind and and give ourselves um I work to give myself a sense of peace while I wait mm. um but I'm also incredibly lucky I, I do Pilates I I do everything I can to make myself as strong as possible and as ready as possible for when that call comes but dialysis is a very complicated kind of experience you know there's a really strict diet um and sometimes you can feel like you can run a marathon and then sometimes you feel like you need to sleep for a week and so it's a really it's it's a roller coaster and it is tricky to be in this experience again but you know the most organs that that are transplanted in Ireland are kidneys and in terms of transplants while all transplants are deeply serious kidneys are actually the easiest type of transplant which of course doesn't take the seriousness away from it or the real um, life or death situation that I'm in. <laughs> but but that is reassuring in some ways. And I think, hey, you know, I've got through this already. I'm going to get through this one, you know. 
Well, now, before the pandemic, there were about uh, 300 transplants a year in the country. And out of the pandemic, put a, a quite a bit of a halt on that. How difficult is it to find a match? I don't want to get into the ins and outs of it because I'm not a doctor and I don't want to sure. get anything incorrect. I believe it's slightly easier to find a match for kidneys than it is for lungs, especially a double lung transplant, for example. And, and one of those reasons is because with kidneys, you can have a living donor, which is which is something that offers people who want to donate an opportunity to save someone's life. And it also is connected to better outcomes for kidney transplant recipients. But personally, like, I have a lot of absolutely incredible family members who've come forward, but it hasn't worked out yet for different reasons. And one of the reasons is is because, um, and I think this is brilliant, the kidney transplant team, when a living donor presents themselves and goes through the tests, they become the patient. So if there is any reason at all, for example, slightly high blood pressure or I don't know, a slightly high BMI or something like that. Um, if any of those things are, are out of sync, they say no. And so that's that's something that I think is so important to just emphasize that when someone wants to be a living donor, they become the patient and they're, you know, if there is even the slightest chance that there's any risk, they are not accepted. But am I right in thinking that in Ireland, in terms of living donations, that uh, only family members or close friends who are found to be a match can donate a kidney to someone who needs it. But like, why is that? Yeah, it's got to do with the law. Um, because okay. um, the Human Tissue Bill will actually uh, provide uh, language around non-directed altruistic kidney donation, which is really, really important, which means that, for example, say you wanted to donate a kidney to somebody. But I don't know that person, let's say. Let's say I just think... You okay. just think, I want I wanted to do something... Yeah, I give blood, maybe uh, this is the next absolute big stage, but it's a big step, yeah. Right, this is the next big step. So you want to do that. Currently, you cannot do that in Ireland, but you can do it in Northern Ireland. So you could go to Northern Ireland um, and organise to donate your kidney, um, non-directed... Uh, altruistically, which means you don't know the person it's going to. And then literally the next day that person's life could be saved. Okay, so the bill is going to bring us in line with the North, do you think? I think so, yeah. And it's really important that it does, you know. And, and in terms of when people are living donors, then, you know, I recently met someone who donated their kidney last year um, in a non-directed altruistic uh, programme. And they're doing brilliant now, you know, they're, mm. they're really well and and that person's life was saved the next day because of that. Um, and so I, I, there are people who, who go to Northern Ireland from Ireland to do that, but it's just not possible on our island. At the minute, Ireland is proposing a new change to mm -hmm. organ donation law. They're hoping to make um, everyone be an organ donor okay. unless you specifically opt out okay. in the new human tissue bill. I personally would be open to it, but I can imagine, I'm sure there would be a lot of people that would be opposed. Or, But as you said, if the family at the end of the day has the last say uh, that they can agree or, or not, then I think that's fair. Yes, as far as I know, the British system is that you're assumed to opt in unless you specifically opt out. 
and I think they've seen a big rise in the number of organs being donated as a result because it's one of those things where you know unless you feel very strongly about it you tend to not want to think about after death you know until you until you really get there so most people don't do an organ donation request or or form Um, whereas if you're assumed to opt in then there should in theory be a huge rise in the number of organs that are available to people do you think that's a good initiative i I think maybe it's gone a little bit too far Mm -hmm. i think like it is a personal choice I don't think there's been legislation on it. So where exactly is the bill at now, do you know? I think it's currently at committee level. And my understanding is that if everything goes well, I would hope it would be passed July, August. But I'm, I don't really know because it seems like so many times we've gotten very close to it and then, and then it all falls apart. And it's just really important that it doesn't this time and that we get this done. It's not just for someone like me waiting on the transplant list or people who are are supporting their loved ones in this situation. It's actually for everybody in Ireland. And I'll just tell you why I say that, because you never know when you will need an organ. You never know when, when donation will be something that affects your family and and your life and uh, the nature of it is that it's not really so simple it can, it can be something that's gradual and chronic or it can just happen instantly you know So some countries with opt-out legislation, such as Spain, Austria and Belgium, they have very high donation rates, while others, you know, with the same legislation, such as uh, Luxembourg and Bulgaria, they have low rates. So why is that? Like the the opt-out legislation isn't a cure-all. It's not a panacea. It's not. It's really, really important, but it's not. I mean, it, it comes back to the idea that, you know, it's not just about donor cards or presumed consent or anything like that. You know, it's about truly how you approach families around the moment of death. And also how the system is supported then to donate. So what we're talking about is the need, like for example, in Spain, which is the best in the world in terms of transplants, they have a high number of critical care beds. They have a high number of transplant coordinators and procurement staff. You know, they are organized in such a way that they can produce such high um, donation rates and and that's something that we need here you know and and staffing is a big thing of course it's a chronic problem throughout the entire health service. Orla do you get a, a sense that the resources are in place here for even the transplants that we have never mind the transplants that we may have if this bill goes through? So yeah, we do have, you know, brilliant staff working in, in our transplant system and we have had investment in resources over the past decade, but it's not good enough. For example, in 2021, a young woman was waiting for a transplant at the matter and got a call um, and went and the organs, I believe, are there as well. But there were no ICU beds and therefore the transplant could not take place. And so those organs actually went to waste, you know, they, they were not donated to somebody else. There was, no, there was no opportunity for the gift of life to occur. And at that time, the director of the transplant program in the matter said, look, it had never happened in his entire time working there. But it should never happen. And, and, and the reason it happened was because those ICU beds were not protected 
for for transplant and and so there are two factors there when it comes to to allocation of of, of facilities and so there should be protected ICU beds for the miracle of life to take place but there should also be protected operating theatres so that transplant can happen and at the moment we don't have the ring fence protected operating theatres or ICU beds and that needs to change it's really important. Orla thank you so much for talking to us and look I hope that phone call comes very soon thanks very much. Thanks. That's it for today for more Irish Times journalism subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan with additional research by Katie Mellett. In the news, we'll be back soon.